You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Man, excuse me, I know this is not why, why they lead us the way they do, but can we just tell David and Allie thank you for leading us? And, man, so good. What a, what a great example. If you ever read through the book of Psalms and kind of been confused on how could it be music, but also be prayer, that was it. <laughs> that, that, that was a great example of it. Hey, we are excited to be back in our series called The Book. If you're newer here, just joining us. So we really started last September in a series called The Book where we're going through the books of the Bible and we're getting so close. This morning we are in the book of Titus. And so if you wanna go ahead and turn to the book of Titus, I would love for you to do that. We're gonna be in chapter two in just a moment. If you need to use your table of contents, there's no shame because I know that Titus may be a book that we are not as familiar with. Again, the book of Titus after 2 Timothy and right before Philemon. And what's been cool about this series called The Book is I think it's exposed us to some, some books that maybe we're not as familiar with. And we kind of have our go-tos that we like to read. Like I was talking with a buddy the other day and he's like, man, I've read through the gospels like seven times, every one of them. But he said, there's books of the Bible I've just have never even opened up to. And I get that. We have our ones that we're kind of familiar with and that are, they're our go-tos. But what's been good about this, while it's exposed us to these other books, at the same time, it's also made us dig into some concepts that maybe we wouldn't normally dig into, that we wouldn't normally think, oh, I wanna read about that because maybe it doesn't seem as pressing or maybe even as relevant. So we kind of skip over some of those things. Uh, so that's true of books of the Bible, but that's certainly true of concepts in the Bible. And so I think one of those words, one of those concepts would be holiness. People don't talk about holiness a lot. Like if you're listening into conversations, you may hear a conversation about, you know, I'm really trying to grow in my communication skills. I'm trying to grow in my leadership ability. Or, you know, I'm really trying to perfect the art of a brisket. I'm really working on that. Or maybe you're Napoleon Dynamite and like, I'm really working on my nunchuck skills and like, uh, or whatever, his bow staff skills, right? That's Blake down there, he got them bow staff skills. <laughs> Or, or maybe you're working on your Photoshop skills. There's all these different things we're working on. Maybe you're trying to up your, your Instagram followers or whatever it is, your TikTok. Or what somebody the other day said, talk tick. I'm like, that's not it. <laughs> we're, all, we're always working on things, but there's not many conversations where people are saying, you know what? I'm really trying to grow in holiness. I, I'm, really, I'm really wanting to, 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 to work on holiness. Like, I can't think of many times I've been talking with somebody and that's been the topic of our conversation. I think part of the reason it seems so foreign to us is we don't really know what holiness is. Like if we know it's a Bible word, that of living a holy life, it's a, it's a Bible word, but it seems foreign because again, it's not something our culture talks about much. So to give you a super simple, memorable, hopefully, definition of what it means to be holy, it's this. Set apart for God. To be set apart, distinct, set apart for God. Not set apart so you can be better than, well, I'm set apart for God, I don't know about you. Like, no, not set apart like that, but set apart as in understanding, embracing that God is the one who sets the standard for your life. Not the culture, not the culture. But scripture, the Lord, sets the standard for your life. 
So to be holy is to be set apart for God. That's kind of a simple definition. Maybe another way you could say it is to grow in holiness is to become more and more like Jesus. It's a really simple way to think about it. If I'm gonna grow in holiness, I wanna be more like God is, or sorry, to grow in holiness is to be more like God. It's to, to grow more and more and become a person that lives like Christ. What, what does that look like? If that's holiness, it still seems a little abstract. What does that look like? Maybe some of you are even wondering, like, is that, is that a New Testament idea? Brandon, you're talking about holiness. That seems like, is Leviticus, is that how you say it? Like, <laughs> that seems like a Leviticus thing or numbers. That seems like old school. Believe it or not, holiness, the idea of being holy is actually, that's very much a New Testament word. First Peter 1, Peter tells us to be holy in all our conduct. Ephesians chapter two, Paul tells us that God is building believers into a holy temple. Second Corinthians seven says that we are to, to grow and bring our holiness to completion. Obviously through the Holy Spirit working in us, but to bring it to completion. And Hebrews 12 says that we are to pursue holiness. So just again, push it back a little. If you feel like, well, that's holiness, holy, that's old school, that's Old Testament, eh, wrong. That's a New Testament concept. It's a New Testament word. Holiness. It's to grow in such a way that you start living less selfishly and start putting other people first. What does it look like? It looks like less envy and celebrating the wins of other people. It looks like less anger and bitterness and patience and love towards other people instead. It looks like turning away from lust and not stopping on whatever it is on your phone, but moving past that, getting out of it, turning away from lust and turning towards purity and faithfulness towards your spouse. It's turning away from slander and actually like building other people up. It's a holy life. It's not getting drunk, but rather exercising self-control. Not living in a proud life, but rather living a humble life that recognizes that everything you have comes from who? From God. It's living a life that's consistent. So meaning who you are in here on Sunday morning is not somebody totally different on Friday night or whatever it may be, or Monday morning, right? Before coffee. What? No, too far, Brandon. <laughs> Have a consistent life, a holy life. You may... If you're like me, when you think about living a holy life and the call to holiness, think about how difficult it is to grow in becoming more like Christ, you kind of struggle with the why behind it. Like probably if you've grown up in church, me talking about holiness is not a new concept to you. Like you've heard that before. Can I get a head shake? Like you've heard that. But knowing why is different. A lot of us, we know holiness is important, but if I said, why is it important if you live a holy life? You'd be like, because uh, uh, God said so? I remember one time I was in seminary, I went to a grocery store over in Fort Worth and a little boy was in the shopping cart with his dad and I don't know what he had asked for, but the dad told him no, he could not get it. And so they're going down every aisle and I can hear, I can hear them across like from different aisles. I can hear the boy going, why, 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 why? For a solid 60 seconds. And finally the little boy, the little boy says, let me guess, because you said so. <laughs> And I was like, someone's about to get a spanking. <laughs> um, 
What was awesome about that is the boy knew like, even if dad just says, because I said so, that's enough reason. You know what? If God tells us to live a holy life, just because he's God, that's enough reason to live a holy life. But you know what? Listen here, lean in. God almost all the time gives us a why. It is very rare that God just says, well, because I said so. That should encourage you. It encourages me. I don't wanna be a part of, of a religion, I guess you could say, or a part of a church where it's just like, well, I don't know, we just do it because we were told. That's enough reason, because God's God. But it's good to know why. Listen, listen especially young people. If you, if you walk out of church on a weekly basis and you're just like, well, we're supposed to do this, I don't really know why, you're not gonna live out your faith very long. Parents, if you, if you raise your kids, like, well, it's just what we've done, like, and you don't give them a why behind it, I was in student ministry and college ministry enough to know that when they get to college, they'll leave their faith behind them if they don't know why. What I love about, or one of the things I love about the book of Titus, if you're wondering if I forgot where we were this morning, one thing, the laughter shows that you thought you did, uh, you thought I did forget where I was. I love about the book of Titus is he addresses holiness. Paul had left Titus in, or on the island of Crete and Cretans, it's a funny word, Cretans, I mean, were known for their terrible living, their immorality. And Titus was faced with challenging them to leave the immorality behind and walk a life of holy living, to live a life of holy living, to walk in holiness set apart for God. And here's what you're gonna see is really cool in verses 11 through 15 of chapter two this morning, is Titus doesn't just say, because God said so. And he could have, he could have. But God, through Paul, tells Titus and tells us reason for why we should live a holy life. Why holiness matters, even for 2021. We're gonna see in the text that, that Paul gives us two reasons to walk in holiness, to live a holy life. So if you would join in verse 11 with me of chapter two. He says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession eager to do good works. Proclaim these things, encourage and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. So a little context, in verses one through 10, he was giving him these things we should do, these commands of how believers are to live their lives. And then in verse 11, he begins to give the why. So here's the first thing we see this morning of why we should live a holy life. Let me get, see if I can click this button here. Adam Rickman was laughing at me because he knew I couldn't do it. Nope, it's still not working. <laughs> Every time we try this, it's, oh, there it goes. Thanks, Adam, or whoever's back there. Yes, my personal holiness helps others see God's grace. My personal holiness helps others see God's grace. Where am I getting that? Verse 11, he says, for, so going, he, again, after listing all these commands, for, the grace of God has appeared, 
bringing salvation for all people. Let's unpack how he's making that argument. So all these commands, which is not all the commands of believers, but some of the things we're supposed to do, do these because the grace of God has appeared. It's kind of an intro statement. What's he saying? The grace of God has appeared. He's talking past tense. Help me out here. This is easy. I'm gonna set you up a little softball here. What is a moment or what was the moment in time, an epic moment where the grace of God was made most abundantly clear? The cross, thank you. The cross of Jesus Christ. So he's saying the grace of God has appeared and what he's referring to is the cross of Jesus. So we have seen the goodness, the grace, the mercy of God. Grace is God giving us things we don't deserve. So he's given us forgiveness and hope and purpose and a relationship with him through the cross of Christ. For the grace of God has appeared, pointing to the cross, bringing salvation for all people. So he's saying the cross makes salvation available to every tribe, tongue, and nation. Even the person at work you think is not deserving of God's grace, even the person you sit by in class, high schoolers who are watching on a live stream in Florida because you're at retreat right now, yes, even the person sitting that sits beside you in class Salvation has been made available to them through the cross of Jesus. Now you still say, I still have no idea what that has to do with holiness. My personal holiness helps others see God's grace. Look at what Paul's doing. So the list of commands, verses one through 10, and he says, for, because do this, the grace of God is available to all. What he's saying is that your holy living you're living like Christ. You're living set apart from the culture and, and rather living by the standards that God has given us in scripture. That holy living points people to Jesus and Jesus is the one who has made salvation available to all. He is the one who has revealed God's grace. Y'all tracking with me? So when I live a holy life, it helps them see God's grace because it points people to Jesus. Now, I love that we're doing this text following last week's passage, which Pastor David picked this passage. So this is the Holy Spirit thing. I didn't pick this, trying to build this awesome uh, truth here to help you see. No, this is just God working. Last week, if you weren't here, we talked about that we are ambassadors, that we live for Christ by sharing the good news with other people. I challenge you to consider who would be your one for September, your person that you would try to share, have a gospel conversation with, that you would tell about the love of Christ. We talked about the fact that you can't point people to Jesus, you can't tell them about the good news of Jesus without using your words. Being an ambassador requires you to share a message. You can't nice someone into heaven, right? Like I told the story, if you weren't here, it's okay, but I told a story about Brittany introducing my wife, Lauren and I, and Brittany could not have been nice enough for me to meet Lauren. We were three or four hours away from each other. She had to tell me about Lauren and therefore I met her. For people to hear about Jesus, you have to tell them about Jesus. Is Paul contradicting himself here? No. He's saying your holy living, your living like Christ gives you a platform to tell other people about Jesus. So just if you're not tracking still, so like if in the parking lot after church today, <laughs> We're turning on to Memphis and I cut you off and give you the bird. 
next Sunday, when you're sitting out here listening, if you choose to come to this service, you're probably gonna have your arms folded and be leaning over like, that guy's a complete tool, right? Like, my witness or lack thereof would ruin this platform, right? Your personal holiness helps others see God's grace. In that, it gives you a platform for you to tell them about Jesus. Again, if you don't tell them, then they're not gonna know it's God's grace. They're just gonna think you're a nice person. To, To emphasize that point, thinking about the idea of holiness and being set apart, let's use this platform quite literally. So this platform helps me better communicate the message to you. In a sense, I'm separated, right? As far as I know, I'm the only person with this handy dandy little microphone on that I'm not supposed to touch. Sorry, TJ. (laughs) I'm the only person on the platform. My being separate in this moment helps you better see and hear the message. If I choose to just blend in with what everybody else is doing, So I'm down, down here and I'm gonna act like you guys during the service sometimes. I know, right? This preacher's so lame. <laughs> right. Now, what would happen if I even said, I set, technically still kind of have a platform, the only one with a microphone. What if I turn my microphone off? Sorry, podcast listeners, the four of you. <laughs> You have no idea what I just told them, do you? I told them it was really awesome. (laughs) All right, now when I choose to live separate again, got my mic back on, up here, it's a little better, right? Some of you, even as I was walking down, I could see you dodging your head trying to look through people because immediately as I became like everybody else, you couldn't quite see me. The more you live like everybody else, like the world, it's harder for people to hear the message of Jesus through you or to see it. This is not a platform. When you live like Christ, it's not a platform to be better than everybody else and look down on everybody. Well, you dirty little sinner. I keep using that Jesus voice. I gotta stop. (laughs) But it's not a platform to, to just think you're better than. It's a platform to share the love of Jesus. Now, I do wanna point out, how awkward is it if you have a platform? And what a shame is it if you have a platform and don't use it? Like, how awkward would it be if Sunday after Sunday I just came up here and just stood here? We empty out this venue real quick, right? No, your holy living gives you a platform and then you should use your platform to share the love of Jesus. Your personal holiness helps others see God's grace. Now you say, okay, Brandon, like, I get the point. But you said the word grace. Doesn't grace just, like, doesn't grace make it all good? Like, if we're under grace, then then we can kind of do what we want, right? Because we're forgiven, and it's kind of like a get out of jail free card, isn't it all good? That's a great question. Let's see what the Bible says. Read again in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, talking about the cross, bringing salvation for all people. 
instructing us. What is instructing us here? Look at your Bible if you're not sure. What is instructing us? What is teaching us? What is training us? God's grace, right? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all, instructing us, God's grace is instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Let's unpack this. I'm gonna answer your question. Doesn't grace cover it all? Number two, my personal holiness is demanded by God's grace. Why should you live a holy life? Your personal holiness is demanded by God's grace. So it's so important that you're not confused here. Not that it's demanded so you can receive grace, because if grace is receiving what you don't deserve, then that's not grace anymore by definition, right? So this is not, I have to be holy so I can receive God's grace. I have to be holy so I can be loved. Nope, that's not what the text is saying. It's that once you have received God's grace, you've received his love and forgiveness, that grace then teaches you, instructs you, we're gonna see in verse 14, really demands of you to grow in holiness. So see, grace comes first, then comes holiness. Y'all with me? God's grace demands my holiness. We don't normally think of God's grace in these terms, but like we already pointed out, it instructs us to deny godlessness. It instructs us to quit living like God doesn't exist. And it teaches us to, to deny worldly lust and rather to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age. So instead of unpacking all those, I think there's a little context there, it makes sense for you already, but To go back to our definition, it means grace leads me to live a holy life. So set apart, live like Jesus, not like the culture. Live according to the word of God, not what's popular on social media or the news or at my school or at my work. I live according to what God says to do. It says grace instructs us. Grace leads us in that. But don't miss verse 13. He says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's saying this battle of holy living, is it, is it difficult to live a holy life? The answer is yes, yeah? Yeah, if you don't think it is, then you're prideful, you're not being holy. Roasted, right? It's difficult. This life is hard to pursue Christ and not pursue the things of the world. He says, we do this while we wait for the blessed hope. He's saying, This is not a forever battle. Christ is coming again. And at that point, we won't have to fight with sin anymore. Amen. We look forward to that day. And he says, speaking of Jesus, he gave himself for us. He's talking about salvation to redeem us from all lawlessness and don't miss this, to cleanse for himself, people for his own possession, eager to do good works. So don't miss this part of salvation. Yes, it's to forgive you and cleanse you of your sins, but it's also to 
make you grow in holiness. That's why he says, and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. So to know the grace of Jesus is to want to grow in holiness. To know the forgiveness of Jesus will lead you to want to live like Jesus. Who'd have thunk it? Grace demands that you become more like Christ. Grace doesn't just glaze over your sin. Hey, it's all good. There's forgiveness. There is forgiveness, yes. Your sins are cast as far from the east as from the west to the bottom of the ocean. But grace doesn't say, ah, don't worry about it. No, grace says, yes, you're forgiven. Now let's grow in holiness. Let's become more like Christ. Grace leads you to be like Jesus. I want to show you a quick clip that is not great quality, but you'll, you'll be able to see it good enough. Um, that I think helps picture what most of us do when we think about God's grace. Most of us think, oh, grace, yes. And rather than growing in holiness, we do this. You're gonna see a shepherd boy rescuing a little sheep. Get it, get it, get it. <laughs> One more time just because it's too good. I love at the end that when he jumps, he's like, Kobe. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> Haddon Robinson uh, was a famous professor of preachers and he said a great sermon illustration needs no commentary. Right? Like that's not, I'm not like dusting my shoulders off. I just mean like, I don't think I have to say much, right? Like that's what we do typically. I'm in grace and we go head first back into our sin. God through Paul in the scripture this morning is leading us to say, grace doesn't lead you to jump back into sin as an excuse. It leads you to say, thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and for redeeming me from that mess. And I don't wanna jump back in the mess because you already rescued me from it. It's a slap in the face, right? So the question is, so my personal holiness helps others see God's grace. That's a great reason to live a holy life. My personal holiness is demanded by God's grace. It actually, it leads me, it instructs me to be more like Christ. My question is, what is your ditch? Everybody has a ditch they tend to jump into. What is your ditch? I think... <clears throat> Probably all of us fall into one of two categories this morning. I don't mean one of two ditches like sin, but one of two lines of thought. One of them may be you're, you're sitting back and you feel like, I don't know, I don't think I have a ditch. Like, I know I'm a sinner, we all struggle, but you don't feel like you have it. You really have a ditch. I would remind you,
we are often caught up with the sins of society to the neglect of our own sins, aren't we? It's easy to point out the sins of society, to turn on the television, you know, those dirty sinners, you're watching the show, right? Like, and neglect your own personal sin. You know, we tend to, to tolerate the sins our culture celebrates. I promise you have a ditch. That's why the process of sanctification, which is the process of being made holy, being more like Christ, is a lifelong thing. Like you don't arrive on this side of heaven. Again, you think you've arrived, sure sign, you ain't arrived. <laughs> Isn't it easy to kind of cozy up in a, in a ditch after a while? I don't think that's why the sheep jumped back into it. I really thought he was getting out. He <laughs> just like terrible depth perception, I don't know. <laughs> But isn't it like you, you kind of get stuck in the ditch and you just, you just kind of embrace it after a while? I think back, I'm pretty sure I'm still in this from Matt Chandler maybe, but it's off the cuff, so it's okay. Um, the idea of we have these pet sins and it starts off as like a little tiger lion. It's a little, it's a little uh, cub. Is that the right word, cub? And so it's cute. It's like not a big deal. That that lion grows into a, a, a daddy lion. It's not a safe thing to have a lion in your house. We think we can tame our sin and it's gonna be okay. No, it, it'll destroy you. I promise all of us have an area where we could pray what uh, David says, God, search me and know me. See if there be any grievous, grievous way in me. So if you're sitting this morning and you're kind of like, man, I don't think I really have a ditch. I, would you ask the Lord even now to show you, well, what is that area of my life where I'm not really growing in holiness and, and you wanna do a work in me? What is the area of my life where I need to pursue you and be more like you? That was, I think, one kind of response to this idea of the ditch and, and living a holy life. I think another response, maybe another way of thought that a lot of us may fall into this morning is when I showed that metaphor or the, the video, which is a metaphor, you saw it and you're like, oh man, for sure. Like you totally resonate with it. And you feel like that ditch owns you. You feel like no matter what you do, you're just stuck. You, you, you keep jumping back to it over and over and over. And Jesus rescues you. You're gonna live a holy life and then, oh, freedom. Boom, right back into this thing again, right? Hang with me. I've shared this before, but I think it's helpful. There's, I used to, uh, pre, pre-kids, uh, me and some buddies would go out and, and ride the trails out of May Simmons. I know some of you guys like to do that, super fun. And there's one little hill where, of course in my mind the first time I went, it's like, this is crazy mountain biking. In retrospect, it's probably like five feet. Anyways, there's one hill where at the bottom, there's a tree, a pretty good sized tree on the right. And for the longest time, I would hit that hill going down and my buddy Garrett, we used to go a lot. He would, he would go in front of me and he would get to the top and wait on me. And almost every time for months on end, I would veer off and go right towards the tree and slam on brakes right before I got to it and 
luckily not smash into it. And he's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know why I always go straight for the tree. What is with me? Finally realized, all right, I think what's happening is when I get to that hill, I'm just staring at the tree because I'm like, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree, don't hit the tree. I'm just staring at it. So the next time we went out, I tried, I'm, instead of, I'm not gonna act like the tree doesn't exist, but I'm also not gonna stare at it. I'm gonna set my eyes up where I need to be going. You know what the next time we went? I didn't hit the tree. I didn't even come close. I stayed where my eyes were leading me. It's a simple, goofy metaphor to explain. Our lives tend to trend where our focus is. So many of us, we're obsessed with this ditch and oh man, it just owns me. I keep going back to it. And so no wonder you keep going back to it. No wonder, and rather than living a holy life and growing in holiness, you keep getting stuck in the same old rut. And actually, I'm not just... Uh, pontificating, is that the right word? I'm not just saying random things up here. This is, this is what Paul is saying in Titus. I almost missed this. It's so amazing. In this whole 11 through 14, he's explaining it's all about grace. Why should you live a holy life? Because of grace. Why should you live a holy life? Because Jesus came to redeem you. Paul is telling us to fix our eyes on who? This is not hard. He's telling us to fix our eyes on, on Jesus, fix our eyes on Christ. So what's going on here? The more I learn to walk in grace and fix my eyes on Jesus, the more I will learn to walk in holiness. The more my attention is on Christ, the less my attention and my stress and my anxiety and my worry is on the ditch or on my sin, it's on Christ. And as I fix my eyes on Jesus, he's going to instruct me. His grace is going to train me to grow in godliness. We live a holy life by looking to the one who lived a perfect life. We live a holy life who, by looking to the one who gave his life. We live a holy life by looking to Jesus. Where are your eyes this morning? You wanna grow in holiness? Don't obsess and navel gaze. I'm such a terrible person. Don't stare at the ditch. No, stare at Jesus. We're gonna have a time of response. A couple of things that I want us to consider. One, is there, is there a ditch, so to speak, that you need to repent of? That you need to, to say, Lord, I keep going back to that and I, need to, I wanna grow in holiness because you've called me to and because I want other people to, to see your grace through my life and through my message. So, so Jesus, would you, I repent of that sin. And Lord, would, would you lead me out of that? Some of you maybe need to, to really say, Jesus, would you just help me to fix my eyes on you? I've been distracted by whatever sin or my own, trying to, to do good on my own. Jesus, would you help me just to fix my eyes on you? By the way, the best way to do that is right here. <laughs> and as we're singing in a moment, just make that your prayer. God, would you, I'm gonna grow in holiness. Would you help me to fix my eyes on you? There may be some of you this morning that you've, you've never trusted Christ. Like the idea of living a holy life is so foreign or impossible to you because you don't know Christ. The text makes clear you can't grow in holiness apart from Christ. He's the one. His grace is what instructs you and transforms you. So maybe you've, you've been trying to do this Christian thing on your own and it seems like complete drudgery, meaning it seems super boring and lame and impossible. Well, that's because apart from Christ, it, Christianity is super boring, lame, and impossible. 
But Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, invites you into a relationship with him. He invites you into forgiveness and hope and mercy and love. You'll simply, we watched it in the baptism, turn from your sin, recognize your need of God's forgiveness and grace. Say, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of my life. If that's you this morning, if you're watching online, you can shoot us a message. But if you're in the room, there'll also be some folks down front as we sing that would, one, if you just want some prayer, they would love to pray with you about whatever. Or maybe you're like, hey, I really, I don't know what it means to trust Christ and, and I wanna have a relationship with him. They would love to talk you through that as well. I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna stand and we're gonna sing and we're gonna respond as God leads us. God, we are grateful for your goodness to us. Thank you for the cross. God, thank you that while you could just tell us, be holy because I, I said so, that you call us to holiness and explain this, it's because of your grace. You want other people to see your grace and God, your, your grace by its nature demands us to, to begin to live more like you. So God, would you help us this morning to fix our eyes on you, to repent of sins maybe that we weren't even aware of, God, would you open our eyes to those things that we may be more like you? And God, for those this morning that, that don't know you, would you draw them to yourself? God, I pray that as we sing, we would just be incredibly aware of your presence and your grace. It's in your wonderful name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 